0: Well, we started a few weeks back in this series about the vision of Poetry Baptist Church. And the vision of Poetry Baptist Church isn't something that Pastor Kevin sat down and created on a whim. It's something that is taken from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, we see God's vision part of it anyway is it says it reads in Revelation 7 9 I looked and saw a great multitude from every nation and tribe and people and tongue standing before the throne and before the lamb that's the uncovering the disclosure that God has for us and as I was preparing this week I thought how incredibly amazing is it that God has given us in his word the end of the story amen, is that we don't have to sit here with fingers crossed and wishing on stars that maybe things are going to work out okay, that God has given us in his word this story at the very end, the book of Revelation, that paints a picture for us that's incredible, that all of us who have been redeemed in and through Christ at the cross that have the spirit living within us, that there's no question that we have the victory that he is our living hope, amen? But how do we get there? Because, see, we're not there yet, right? We're still in this world that actually has a different ruler that reigns over it, that for a time, God has allowed Satan to reign in this world and to reign over the hearts of sinful humanity. And so how do we get from where we are today And so I want the question to be rolling around inside your head is how do we get from where we are today to that destination that God has painted that picture for us in Revelation, that victory picture of the saints throughout all time, those who would believe in God to the extent that he's revealed himself to humanity. Noah didn't know who Jesus Christ was, but he knew who God was. He knew who God was, and Abram didn't know who Jesus Christ was, but he knew who God was. And King David didn't know who Jesus Christ was, but he knew who God was. And what scripture tells us is that all of the faithful, all of the saints, all the people who would believe throughout all time that they would be reconciled into one body, in all of them, all of the prophets and the apostles that all believers are being built up into that new Jerusalem that we see in Revelation 21, we're inside of the walls of that new Jerusalem, inside of that building, that temple of God, that the Lamb, God is there and there's no more need for sun and stars or any kind of light or moon That what we see is that God himself is the light and the light of all of us who are believers that we're drawing in people from all nations, all of the kings of the earth. But how do we get there? And so what we said is that our vision for Poetry Baptist Church in the here and the now to get us from where we are to where God wants us to be in that picture of Revelation is to be a spirit-led church revealing Christ through unity and worship. And today our focal text will be 2 Corinthians 4.10. And that's our vision, but we still have this problem, Right? We still have this problem because even though we're redeemed in Christ, even though he's given us the Holy Spirit as we shared with those little kids and they were honest enough to admit is that we still don't walk perfect lives. We don't. And to the extent that we don't walk perfect lives and that we still surrender ourselves willingly and willfully over to sin and Satan, because we don't have to anymore, but we do so willingly, we cease to reveal Christ in our individual bodies. And see, when we're a collection or a collective of people who are redeemed in Christ who aren't willfully and willingly surrendering ourselves to the Spirit and His leadership and to Christ and the Father's will, then to that extent, then the body of Christ, our church, ceases to reveal Him. And if our church ceases to reveal him, then when people come through our doors and they come on our campus and we're not revealing Christ, then we're really not glorifying God and we're not fulfilling the mission and the will of God. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to examine yourselves because there's a problem. Paul identified it and many other people have identified it. Is that the New Testament epistles, the letters that Paul wrote, Were to churches that had gone astray, that they allowed wonky things and traditions and practices to come into their doors and into the life of the church. And in Revelation, Jesus addresses that when he's standing before the seven churches and he says, You've forgotten your first love. You have a reputation for being alive, but in fact, you're dead you need to be hot or cold see because hot doesn't mean good and cold bad what he's saying is that hot is good and sometimes cold is good not in our faith but you look at professional athletes and sometimes they need heat on an injury and sometimes they need cold what christ is saying is don't just be good or bad don't just be a believer or be a sinner what he's saying is be effective with what it is that you do to remedy the situation. Be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm because lukewarm doesn't accomplish anything. And Jesus says, because of that, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And he was given those churches and he's given us a reality check. Are we hot or cold or are we lukewarm? Have we forgotten our first love? So because of this need that Jesus articulates all throughout Scripture and Paul articulates is that we have, to, we have to put everything under scrutiny. We've got to scrutinize why are we doing what we're doing? What are we doing? How are we doing it? We've got to scrutinize every aspect of the church. Robert E. Coleman, this is a quote that I've read many times, Robert E. Coleman, he wrote in the foreword of a book called Disciple which is a wonderful book that I highly recommend, but in the foreword of it, he begins saying, writing, something is missing. Something is missing in the life of the church today and he goes on to say today's institution, not the body, but the institution has this polite form of religion. Hey, how are you this morning? Nice to see you. Good, yeah, nice, big smiles. Smile and wave, boys, smile and wave, right? Does that do anything to change anyone's eternal address, their eternal trajectory? Just be nice. We could just be a group of philanthropists, right? We could just say, hey, we're just gonna address your physical, immediate needs, but we're not gonna do anything because, see, we really start preaching the gospel and revealing Christ, people are gonna be offended, givers may leave the church. Heaven forbid. We got to hang on to every penny, right? Today's institution has a polite form of religion, but it seems to lack power, the power to radically change the wayward course of society. Are we radically changed in our lives? I wonder. See, because if we're not radically changed and people don't look at us and see a radical change in our lives and then a bunch of kind of lukewarm people get together on a Sunday for a couple of hours and they walk inside our door and it's just kind of lukewarm and there's not really a radical change in anyone's life. We're just kind of checking the box. We're being nice. We're, we're just kind of doing what the expectation is. And then we wonder, why aren't people coming in droves into this body and experiencing radical change in their lives? Maybe you don't ask that question. Maybe it's because we don't really think radical change is needed in my life. I don't really need to be radically changed, right? I just need to stop doing bad things. You know, maybe alcohol is a thing. Maybe I just stop drinking alcohol. Maybe drugs are a thing. Maybe I'll just stop doing drugs. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'll just be dedicated, kind of like a New Year's resolution, you know? Every year, I was a personal trainer for 26 years. Every year in January, the people in the gym, the numbers quadrupled, quintupled, because everybody made a decision. They made a resolution. Things are going to be different this year. And then all of the people who we call them the gym rats, the people who are the hardcore, the cockroaches, is it like, you know, they all just kind of said, you know what, I'm going to use January as just kind of a time off because I don't want to be at the gym around all these newbies because it's not going to stick and they're going to be on the machines. But if I just kind of wait for about four or five weeks, they're all going to be gone anyway. Is that us? Is that us as Christians? You know, I just kind of make a resolution that I'm going to be better about stuff. And then down the road, it's like, yeah, you know, that Jesus thing, it didn't really stick. But now I've kind of told people that I am one. I've got that fish on my car. I don't want to look like I'm just kind of waffling around. So I guess I better kind of keep pretending. Now I'm stuck. I got to tell the pastor why I couldn't go to church on Sunday. You know, I had this thing. You know, this guy, uh, I had to help, you know, and, and they were, so yeah. Do we really think radical change is even needed? Do you? I don't know how to pronounce Tom's last name because I've only read his stuff, but he's a prolific writer. He's a church consultant. He's also a pastor of a church. And Tom S. Rainer, I'll pronounce it. The main reason people leave a church is because they have an entitlement mentality. See, if you don't think anything needs to change and you go to a church and you don't really like it, then you're just going to go shopping somewhere else. I don't really care for Applebee's. It crushes Connor because he loves that place. On his birthday throughout the year, can we go to Applebee's? Don't really care for it that much. Is church just a, a, sort of like a restaurant choice? You know, back in San Antonio, there, the, the grocery store, the popular one was H-E-B. Kroger wasn't really that well-known. It's like, is it just sort of like, you know, do I pick Handy Andy as my favorite store? Do I pick Kroger? Do I pick H-E-B? Where do I go? It doesn't really matter, right? Where's God called you to be and to serve? And he's saying that, Tom is saying that, you know, we don't really have a servant mentality because we haven't been radically changed. It's just this thing that we do. I just want, you know, I want a little bit of Jesus. If I could just get a little bit of a sliver of him, I don't really want to be radically changed. I just want him to fix my financial problems. Jesus, if you could just get me out of debt, then we're good. You know, so I'll go to church up to the point that you solve my problem, and then I'm good because it's really all about me. It's all about me. I didn't go to church. I didn't go there to really be radically changed. I just want to put my... $0.50 in the vending machine and get my Coke out. That's all I really want. And when I get my Coke until there's another problem, what do I really need you people for? You're all messy. You're all messy people. You've all got problems. Some people talk too much. Some people don't talk enough. Some people, you know, we call them the EGRs, the extra grace required Some people shake hands funny. Some people want to do the A hug. Some people want to do the side hug. It's weird. When I'm with my family, we all just hug. We don't sit there and turn sideways and angle and try to figure it out. Church is weird. It's because nobody's been radically changed. We just come and we say, Jesus, this is my prayer to you. Fix problem A, B, and C. Let's start with A. Start there, and if you answer A, then you know what? I'll keep coming back. But if you drop the ball on A, what do I really need you for? Tom says it's an entitlement mentality rather than a servant mentality. Do people see radical change in you? Do they? So we have to keep scrutinizing. And we've been doing that. And at the very beginning, we asked the question, we said, are we spirit-led? Because the beginning of that vision statement is is that we're a spirit-led church or a spirit-led body. Are we spirit-led? Moses said, and I'm not going to give you the whole sermon. You can go back and listen to it. And everyone said, Who? If your presence doesn't go with us, there's nothing that will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on earth. We don't need to be elder-led. We don't need to be pastor-led. We need to be spirit-led. We need to be born again by the Spirit, and we need to be desperately dependent on God in every decision so that we glorify him in all things at all times forever Did you wake up this morning feeling desperately dependent or was it like, I guess I just better go because the wife's on me? I guess I better go because, you know, I know that Jesus really only answers prayers if I'm in that particular building. I guess I better go so I can get what I want out of it. Or did you come to serve? And then we continued to scrutinize in the next step saying, like, are we truly the body? See, if we're a spirit-led church, what does a church even mean? And we put that picture up of a building for the kids and we said, what is this? And the first day they all said, it's a church. And then today when I showed it to them again, see, after we instruct them properly and I put them up, they didn't fall for it again. One little boy said it's a church campus. Somebody else said it's a building. It's just a building. That's it. We are the body of Christ. And see, if we're not radically changed individually, then when you add a bunch of people together who aren't radically changed, then we're not really the church. Are we? Last week, we talked about what it meant to be the church. And we talked about Jesus dying on the cross in order to reconcile those who were near and those who were far. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles, Not so that Jesus could create this special, sort of like, you know, exclusive resort in heaven for the Jews because they're God's chosen people, and then the rest of us, we all just kind of get in by the skin of our teeth. No, it's to make, what does it say right there? He did this to create in himself one new humanity, reconciled in one body through the cross. So are we revealing Christ? As a body, examine yourselves and see whether or not you're in the faith. Scrutiny, I got a picture up here. If you're listening to the sermon online and you can't see the visuals, there's a picture up here, the cover of, I think it's called Success Magazine, and the picture on the front is of a guy named Joel. And Joel's really well known for being a big TV televangelist guy, for having a church, I believe it's in Houston, with hundreds of thousands of people that go every weekend. Is that a body? Or is it a bunch of people that are coming to hear prosperity gospel? Hey, send send me, Joel, your check because I got a new jet. This one's about six months old. I got to get a new jet. I need some money to publish a new book about not really, not really turning away from your sin party, not really repenting from the sin that you came into in this world and there's nothing that you could do about it. Not about that, but just about the good life. See, because as human beings, that's what we want to hear. We don't really want to be radically transformed. We don't want to accept the fact that we were dead in our trespasses when we came into this world. That's what David said in Psalm 51. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, not even at birth, but at conception. Paul addressed this 2,000 years ago. He knew because there were already guys like that who were in the churches. And he says, unlike so many, He's talking about legitimate preachers and teachers and pastors and apostles and evangelists. He's saying, unlike so many others who peddle the word of God for profit, on the contrary, in Christ, we, Poetry Baptist Church, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Have you realized that you either are or you are not sent from God? And if you are, then why are you still not revealing Christ? What do you need to know? If Christ has died for your sins, if he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in your heart and you've been born again, what are you waiting for? A seminary class? Then take one. Recommendations? What do you need a recommendation for? You have God Almighty who died on the cross for you so that you could be a part of the body. What are you doing with it? Unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. And Paul goes on in chapter 3 of Second Corinthians, and he says, do we need letters of recommendation? If I'm going to come back to you, the guy who actually planted this church with blood, sweat, and tears. You remember what he said he went through in order to plant all of the churches and to be on mission? I've been beaten more times. I've been shipwrecked. I've been naked. I've been hungry. I've been thrown in prison. I've done all of this for you. And now you're telling me that when I come back, I need a letter of recommendation? What are you talking about? And Paul goes on to say, is that you... You yourselves are our letter. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. Are you showing that? Are you showing that you, Poetry Baptist Church, are my letter, that you're Christ's letter, that everything that's been poured into you week after week, month after month, year after year of your walk with Christ, are you the letter of his testimony, of his grace and his goodness, or do you just come? Do you just come to get fed? Oh, that was a good sermon today. Nice job, buddy. Man, that really picked me up. I don't care if it picked you up. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to reveal Christ? Are you going to glorify God in every moment at all times forever? Are you? I want you to look at that picture up there. And I know that there might be somebody out there that's gonna scrutinize the picture and say, pastor didn't put a picture of me up there. I'm sorry if I didn't get one with you in it, I tried. We've got the folks that were here the morning of the delivery of the playground equipment that unloaded that thing and moved things around. We got people at the Christmas care, we got folks that went on a mission trip to Portland, Oregon and Vancouver, Washington to invest in church planners. We got people that were here at the Mother and Daughter Tea to reach out to ladies in our community. We got all of our church family that's present at one of our fellowship meals on a Sunday. We've got Amber Bird up there while she's teaching during our VBS last year. We've got Janie Hitchcock, who, Janie's not here today, and oh my gosh, tell me that you do not see Christ revealed in Janie Hitchcock, in her ministry alone to her own sister. And if you don't know that story, ask. And to the children of this church, the hours that she pours into and pours herself out week after week in anything that you ask Janie to do, absolutely, pastor, absolutely, I'll do it. You're the letter. See, the key to radical change is Christ in you. He either is or he isn't. And if he is, then you're not sitting on the bleachers. You're not sitting there waiting to go in the game. You're in. You're in the game because if Christ is in you, and you're a member of the body, then the body's healthy, and the body is revealing Christ. Paul goes on in chapter four of Corinthians, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they can't see the light of the gospel, displaying the glory of Christ, for what we preach is not ourselves. Y'all realize that not everybody's gonna get it? Not everybody's going to get it, see, because there are some people who have just accepted the fact that they're okay being stuck in their sin. They're okay with it. I'm okay being stuck in my sin. I'm okay that if being a member of the body of Christ means that I have to be radically transformed, that I have to be born again by the Spirit, that sounds like something I really don't want to do. And so, you know what, I'm gonna go to the church down the road where they don't really ask, and they're not really demanding that there's no real conviction by the Spirit. And so, one by one, people have been leaving our congregation. One by one, folks, over the last year and a half, two years, people have been dropping away. And never once has it been, Pastor, your doctrine. Pastor, you know, your theology's a little bit off, and you're unwilling to change it. It's never been about that. It's always been about what Tom Rayner said at the very beginning. It's about not having a servant's heart, not having a servant's mentality, but instead of being entitled, hey, you're not the boss of me, pastor. I'm not accountable to you. Well, it, it, I'm not saying I didn't appoint myself As a church, y'all called me. And when you go in and you read through the New Testament about the function and the role of a pastor within the body of Christ, I'm pretty sure that the pastor is the one who's leading the church because he's being led by the spirit. He's the shepherd. He's the one who's protecting, watching over, serving the body, servant leadership. No, I don't really like the way that you're doing that. So I'm gonna... I'm going to head down the road. See, if we display Christ and his glory, what we preach is not ourselves. We're not standing outside saying, yay, Poetry Baptist Church. Let's make a big name for ourselves. What we're saying is, let's make a name for Jesus Christ, amen? Are y'all with me? Let's make a name for Jesus Christ, amen? Amen? See, because Poetry Baptist Church could dry up and blow away tomorrow. What kind of an impact is that gonna have on you? Well, you know, I guess I'm just, God just must not have meant for me to go to church anymore. I guess I'll just stay home. I'll be part of another body the following week, I guarantee it. Are we revealing Christ And here's our focal text for today. We always carry around in our body, that's the body of Christ, not necessarily just our physical bodies. It's a singular, in our body, the death of Jesus. That death of Jesus, it's the Greek word necrosis, necrotic, something that's dead, do you ever picture yourself? I was thinking about that today, you know, kind of imagining like if we were to change the name of Poetry Baptist Church, would y'all want to go with like the dead body of Jesus Christ Church? Because that's what it says. We always carry around in our body the death, the necrotic Jesus Church. And we laugh, it's like all of the churches that are out there, it's like they've got life in the name. But what Paul is saying is that you can't sit there and herald the life of Jesus Christ if we don't carry around his death. That had to happen in order for us to have life. And see, we wanna fast forward to the life part. Hey, let me make an a profession, let me come up here, let me say I'm sorry, let me ask Jesus into my heart, and I've got new life. Let's call our church New Life. It's a great name. Let's forget about all that death stuff, about the fact that God Almighty, the eternal son, Emmanuel, that he had to come down from heaven, just like manna to the Israelites in the Old Testament to feed us, to keep us alive. He had to come down from heaven, allowed himself as God Almighty, the eternal son, to be born in a manger, a feeding trough, Not the stuff you see on the Christmas cards. Not the brilliant golden light shining through the window, and there's not any fecal matter on the floor. Jesus was born in an animal pen. We're in Poetry, Texas, and many of you know what that is. It wasn't a pretty sight. God! And he did that so that one day he could go to a cross and that he could give his life up for you that he could give his life up for you, but not just for you so that you could say, hey, I've got some hell insurance. Jesus died for me. He did it so that you could become a member of that one body, that new humanity, and that he's uniquely equipped and gifted you to serve as a member of that body. And see, if you're not radically changed and you're not carrying around the death of Jesus with you at all times in order to experience the new life that he has for us, then that new life is a lie. Are we doing that? And it says so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed. The Greek word there is actually maybe a little bit better translated as manifested. It has to do with the idea of light. Is that if it's going to be shown, if it's gonna be illuminated, if it's gonna be cast out And Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking, he says, you know, do you take, do you take something like the light and do you, do you cover it up with a, a basket? Do you do that? You don't do that. Are we revealing Christ in the body? And that picture, that slide up there, just saying this for the folks who may be listening online, is it's a picture, it's the outline, the structure of maybe what might be the front view of a church or a chapel. But instead of it being the walls, it's little people. Those little dots that you see if you've got bad eyes, those little dots are people who are walking in towards the body of Christ, so that the life of Christ may be revealed in the body. See, we gotta scrutinize. And if we don't examine ourselves and we just say, yeah, we're doing good, right? The heart is deceitful above all things. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I don't usually do a lot of or stories from the news but this week there's a picture up here in the sanctuary up on the screen it's of Brant Jean and Brant Jean if you're not familiar with the story is that his brother Botham Bo was killed by a Dallas police officer and I'm not going to get into the politics of it whether you think you agree or you disagree I don't I don't really care about your opinion and you don't care about mine and that's great but what what Brant Jean did in that courtroom was he revealed Christ. There's a woman that took the life of his brother and how you feel about that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It matters that that was his brother. That was his brother that he lost. Part of his family was ripped away from him. And in a moment where he could have stood up and he could have said, you, I hope you rot in hell. I hope you rot in jail, and I hope that you go straight. He could have said those things, but instead, you know what Brant said. I think that giving your life to Christ would be what both of them would want you to do. To the woman that made a mistake and killed his brother. I think that giving your life to Christ would be what both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad for you. How would you react? How would you respond? And we can say, "Well, I would do this," or I I think we all just have to say we really don't know until we're there, right? We really don't know. But I know for a fact that what Brent John did in that moment was he revealed Christ. There's another picture of a house that's consumed by flames and fire. And that house that's consumed by flames and fire is not the actual house, but it represents there was a family here about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago here in Terrell that lost their house to fire. And as a church, because our parsonage at the time had been empty for many years, as a church, we reached out to that family and we, we, we talked about it. We discussed it as a leadership team. We talked about it as a church. And we decided as a church that what we were gonna do is that we were gonna invite that family. We didn't tell them they had to live there. We just said, if this is a solution for you, we just want you to know, not because you're Christians, not because you know, you've know you signed our doctrine statement that you agree with everything that we agree with, but because you're people in need, What's better for a family that loses their house to fire than a house? And maybe they could find something better. We didn't know, but what we had, just like that widow with the two pennies, we said, this is what we've got to offer you. And if it's good, then we would lovingly, we would be thrilled if you would accept that offer. And they said, yes. And I want to show you just a small segment of what Marie Petty, the mother of the little children, what she wrote to me to share with all of you and I have in the past. She said, you guys gave us a hope and looked past, looked beyond past sins and welcomed us. You've left handprints in our kids and brought peace to them in chaos. But in the middle of all that, in the middle of a church revealing Christ, There were folks within our congregation that said, no, we shouldn't do that. And when we did it, they decided that that was going to be their last Sunday. That was going to be their last day to be a part of our church family. I don't have the whole story, and I'm not going to share all of it with you, but years ago, there was a family that actually came here to poetry And there was a young couple, teenagers, high school age, that made a mistake. The girl got pregnant, and the boy wasn't really sure what to do. But they knew one thing they weren't going to do. They certainly weren't going to take the life of that baby that was growing inside of mama And the church at that time had an opportunity. Had an opportunity to say, you know what? We're not saying that it's okay for relationships to happen outside the context of marriage, but it's done. And instead, the church decided that what they would do is that they would shame the families, that they would turn their backs on them, and that those families, some of them today, have never come back ever to another church because of the way that years ago Poetry Baptist Church responded. Is that revealing Christ? And I want you to know that that couple is part of our fellowship today. That they've come back all these years And the reason why they came back is because when they walked inside the doors, inspired and led by God and obedient to return, to come back, they said that they felt welcomed. They felt welcomed and they felt loved. You know what they saw? They saw Christ revealed in and through this tiny little congregation of people. And maybe, 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 maybe people didn't judge them because they didn't know the backstory maybe. And if you're the kind of person, see, we're going through this vision statement where we're we're talking about the vision of Poetry Baptist Church, a spirit-led church revealing Christ in and through unity and worship. And so we're painting this picture of who we are as a body of believers. And I want to tell you that if you're the kind of person that agrees with the idea going back all those years ago, that 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 church was right to cast those people out, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't belong here. This isn't a church for you. And you should probably, don't wait till the Lord's Supper. Don't wait until we finish the service. You should probably get up right now and just go ahead and leave. And I'll hold the door for you. And I'll lovingly hold that door for you and I say, I hope someday that you return, but this isn't the church for you right now if that's where you are. See, because radical transformation has to happen. And if you're gonna bunker down and you're gonna say, those aren't the kind of people that go to my church, then I'm gonna say then those are the kind of people that aren't gonna be a part of my church. Amen? See, because we're gonna reveal Christ and when people make mistakes, we're gonna love on them and we're gonna reveal Christ. And when people have suffering and loss in their lives, and we have something to offer them, then we're gonna offer it because we're gonna reveal Christ. Paul said, examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. He wrote to many churches who had lost their way. And Paul didn't write that epistle to shame them. He wrote it lovingly. Examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. Is Christ in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Are we revealing Christ? See, that picture from Revelation, I just wanted to put it up there again. I looked and I saw, this is John, the writer of Revelation, I looked and I saw a great multitude from every nation and tribe and people and tongue standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's where we're going, folks. How are we going to get lost people See, because our mission is to pursue, win, disciple the lost, deluded, and disillusioned. That's our mission for God's glory, that we're going to pursue those people, that we're going to win them, we're going to disciple them for God's glory. How are we going to do that if we're not revealing Christ? The answer is, it's impossible. Do we think radical change is even needed? The final slide, the final part of the sermon today is I just wanted to put this up there and I put it up every Sunday at the end of my sermons. Wait until the Lord comes. He will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their fitting appraisal from God. Why are you here? Let's pray together. God, we love you, and we thank you for today. We thank you that you truly have made us a church that reveals Christ, that your spirit leads us, that we're obedient and yielded to that. And God, I just pray that as we reveal Christ in and through the body in and through the lives that are radically transformed and changed by each and each and every member of this body, that you would lead people here to this body, to this church, to this local congregation, people who are broken, people who are wounded, people who have been shunned and shamed, people who are disillusioned, people who thought that they would never, ever find a church where they would be loved, where people would understand, and that we would demonstrate the same compassion that you demonstrated to us at the cross, that while we were still sinners... You died for us. Jesus, we love you. We pray that this service today has been honoring and glorifying to you. And all God's people said, amen.